0: The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
0: And thanks for joining us here on Market Talk today as we broadcast live from the agmarket.net farming for profit, not price conference in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Got a great show lined up for you here today. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk weather and much more. Really great attendance here at the conference. A lot to talk about. Let's jump in though and take a look at things right away. Joining us now, Brian Split with agmarket.net. Brian, it's good to see you, buddy. Jesse,
2: uh, it is always good to see you, brother.
0: Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me crash the party here in uh, in Nashville again this year. I know uh, you guys have brought the conference here a couple years in a row now, and uh, I, I love the theme overall. Uh, I'd love for you to talk about it with us a little bit. Farming for profit, not price. I mean, explain that a little bit for folks who are listening in right now.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, farming for uh, uh, a level of profit and not a certain price is just a mindset and a way of looking at the market. And, uh, you know, $5 corn, uh, for example, is a price... Uh, yet, five-dollar corn does not do the same thing for every producer in the country, depending on where they are geographically, what kind of cash market they have, their local demand base. Uh, so we really, really we try to focus on. Uh, minding your your break-even levels your profitability Uh, we have an app that we've been using for the last several years we're in the process of revamping that app right now we're expected to release that on April 1st so we've show kind of showcased some of the additional features that we have of that and really it's just a way to track all of your input costs Um, be able to track the sales that you've made, how sales that you're making now affect the break-even levels on on the sales that you have not made yet, and really just focusing on that that uh, per-acre revenue level instead of focusing on a certain price.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point you raise, uh, just focusing on that profit there instead of saying, oh, I got to have $5 corn, et cetera, et cetera. Get out of that mindset and, and look at your break-evens, right, Brian? Right. And, you know, we understand
2: that, that the break-evens um – change right so and that's part of the the power of the app is if you're out uh you know in your planter in spring and something breaks down and you need to make a repair and you can Mm -hmm. take the cost of that uh break it down over over all of your acres and and change your cost production there Uh, if you get that million dollar rain in july during pollination and your yield goal goes from 200 to 215 uh, then that changes your your overall dynamic and um you know the there's a different sense uh uh, you know i've had people ask me over the years well how do i know my cost of production if i don't know my bushels are and there's a difference uh between your cost of production and your cost per bushel Uh, so you think about your cost per, per bushel is is definitely a moving target but your cost is your cost so if you buy your seed you buy your chemical if you pay cash rent if you have those other things that pop up through the course of the year that is all your, your cost of production. The cost per bushel is a moving target based on the yield that you grow. So you really have to think of it as a cost of production uh, and, and instead of that cost per bushel and, and adjust your, your, your bushel goals uh, based on your perception of your crop over the course of the, the growing season
0: let's talk about some of the things you're hearing from folks uh, here the uh, last couple of days brian um you know i know it feels like this boat has kind of all shifted to the bearish side a little bit here in the grains i mean what are the concerns you're hearing when when you talk to producers in here and and, and translate that to into the charts like what what are you seeing on some of these grain charts here as we begin february
2: Right. So the the concern from the uh, attendees is obviously just the state of the market right now. The fact that every morning we wake up and future values are continuing to make new lows uh, in soybeans, for example. We made some new lows for the move overnight. And so it it just uh, I think the producer understands that we're we're trending lower right now uh, and that in the very big picture, uh, with the way that the balance sheets are evolving from marketing year to marketing year, that um, the the landscape has changed quite a bit. Um, and so what we've seen from presenters is... Uh, a look at the, the fundamental outlook uh, in the big picture, depending on what some acreage scenarios may look like, uh, you know, depending on what some yield scenarios may look like, uh, breaking it down into the stocks to use ratios, which is ultimately, you know, a, a carryout number does not give you a certain price. Uh, it's more the stocks to use ratio is, is what's correlated to price. Um, and so we kind of looked at some different scenarios there. Uh, we've got uh, a good 50,000-foot view look of of the agricultural space from from Dan bozzi of the Ag Resource. Uh, we've got. Uh, some weather and I know you're going to talk to Eric about that but he really uh, let us know some of the major things that we need to keep an eye on as we get into the growing season Mm -hmm. Um, and and right now it seems like one of the major things is the uh, water temperatures in the Pacific Ocean off the west coast Uh, as long as those stay warm then we're probably not in a scenario where we're going to expect a major hot and dry spell this summer Uh, and that would be the thing to keep an eye on uh, moving forward as far as what we way we could potentially have that scenario set up um we've got uh, matt speaking i think right now as you and i are taping and he's really going through the app and and looking at how to use the app uh, and and focus on that profitability factor instead of uh, focusing on a price factor i did some technicals i did that uh, about an hour and a half ago and uh, i i think to sum up what i'm looking at there it's more of a uh, a short-term friendly outlook with a long-term bearish outlook um, it seems to me like we're at some very uh, good supportive levels on corn uh, soybeans hit some major levels overnight we're at the low end of a channel We're testing some um, some yearly lows from 2021 and uh, we've got some, some major retracements from this whole rally from the 2019 lows to the highs that were made. Um, and so that's very quickly approaching a 62% retracement. So when you see multiple things line up like that, I think we're getting to the point. You look at the fund positioning right now. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the boat is heavily loaded to one side. I think that's going to change. All we need is a small spark for the fund manager to not want to be as short as they are. It could come from a fundamental uh, impetus. Uh, maybe it's a report. Maybe it's some uh, adjustments to South American production. And it could simply be as, as easy as well the funds added 15,000 contracts of corn shorts last week, and the market only went down four cents. And if they continue to add to their short position, and it's not paying them, um, and and heaven forbid, some of these new shorts start losing money, uh, then that's going to be a little bit of a a, uh, igniter for them to potentially cover shorts, especially because it's so early in the year, they have such Mm -hmm. a profitable position. And I think they would like to get out, let the market go back up. They may be Part of that move back to higher prices just to come in and sell it again looking for that bigger picture move to lower values come fall
0: a lot of things to keep an eye on for sure and we got a WASDE report later this week that could be you know a, a fundamental factor that throws some volatility to this market who knows we'll have to see brian i mean it's it, it just Things like that, you know, they're going to come and go with this market to, you know, could be wrenches thrown in, right?
2: Yeah, you know, generally the February report is not a major game-changing report. Like, the the January report is often one that does that. But, you know, you think about South America, for example, and the USDA is is too high, uh, as is CONAB on the South American bean production for Brazil. Um, Recently, everybody's been racing their Argentine production numbers higher. I personally believe uh, that the, uh, the January report probably showed the highest total South American soybean production number that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. I think Brazil comes down. I think with the weather that we're seeing in Argentina right now, crop conditions drop substantially just in one week because of the extreme heat and the, and the lack of moisture that they have in the, in the, the current weather models. Um, and so could we see some of those Argentine numbers come back down a little bit as Brazil gets uh, worked lower Uh, as we work through their harvest. And and if that's the case, then maybe the fund manager just doesn't want to be as short as they are. Uh, So, you know, a a lot of things can happen. There's a lot of growing season in front of us.
0: Appreciate a few minutes of your time here at the conference. Thanks for joining me, my friend. And uh, we will talk to you again real soon. Absolutely, Jesse. It's always a pleasure. Thank you.
3: If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice. And you can hear past episodes of the program on demand.
4: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com/slash/atmarkettalkegg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen.
0: Well, let's take a look at weather here for the week ahead as we're getting officially into the month of February and here to join us once again this week, except We're doing it in person. Eric Stodgrass with Nutria joining me here as we are at the AgMarket.net conference in Nashville. Eric, good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing well.
5: I'll gladly come to Nashville in the winter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, not not when it was a couple weeks ago when it was snow and ice and it was Armageddon down (laughs) here. That's for sure. Hey, um, you just got done speaking to a great crowd here at the AgMarket.net conference, kind of giving your weather outlook here for the year ahead. And and I thought it was a, a really great discussion. And I liked how you kind of, you set up how forecasting and things, it's speculative. I mean, we could do our best. You do a great job, of course. But at the end of the day, there's only so far out that we can really go with, you know, great certainty, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. So last week was Groundhog's Day, right? So everyone likes to make fun of the groundhog about being wrong. And, and, you know, honestly, in the last 10 years, his accuracy score has been 40%. Now I'm telling you this because you would think that, Oh, I'd just flip a coin and do better. And you probably would. But, um, some of the long-term forecast models that we often use to predict the weather months in advance, just to let you know, I went back and looked at their skill scores from last winter forecasting for 2023 all of the skill scores were negative. Mm. So if you're going to blame the groundhog for being wrong, understand <laughs> that uh, sometimes there's folks out there that that do even a worse job, and those spring forecasts were tough last year. But bigger thing I brought up was more about um, this is a time of year where I hear a lot of narrative about people predicting disaster. It's like sure. every year, oh, there's going to be, you know, this big event that's going to happen. There's going to be drought because this, 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 and this line up. And we just today talked about some of the big things, like, well, what did that volcano erupting in 2022 mean? What do solar cycles have to do at all with our weather and what do we really know about the upcoming year and how in the past I was specifically talking about corn but how in the past have weather premiums been brought on the market and when mm-hmm. and so we kind of looked at all those things and honestly I, I went after the solar cycle thing first and said I don't I looked at all the data and I cannot use it to predict when we'll have the next big drought episode it just doesn't work yeah and then you look at the the volcanic eruption and sure it put a lot of water vapor in the stratosphere but you know, you say, well, what's the longer-term effect on that? And is it going to be measurable against normal variability? Possibly. Could be a little bit more warmer than average, but we'll probably get most of that warming in the overnight hours, not in the daytime highs. So we start looking at all these things and trying to boil them all down, and it's just to say that, You know, our ability to really tell you months in advance of exactly what's going to happen and when. Mm -hmm. I joked with the group in there, but the reality is if I knew, I wouldn't be here telling Yep. And so the fact that there's some folks out there making these big claims about what disaster is, is tough. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I was talking to Matt Bennett, one of the guys putting this on. I said, Matt, disaster is not 2012 or 88. It's not Mm -hmm. 93 or 2019. In fact, those are years where if you got insurance, you end up getting the price benefit of it for a while. Mm-hmm. The disasters are when you've got high interest rates, massive global supply, low global demand. You've got a great crop coming out of Brazil. You know, you've got all these things that work against the price. It's those years where things get lean and they get tough, and so. I just think it's a reframing of what bad is and thinking sure. about it from marketing perspective. So yeah, that's my, I spent a half hour in there talking about it, <laughs> but that's the condensed version for you.
0: <laughs> I love to, a little portion of it as well that you were talking to folks about is, you know, we get hung up on the drought monitor, yeah. but you kind of said, no, let's look at the soil moisture map yeah. you're getting into this year. And I think that's so important to think about.
5: It is. And the drought monitor actually includes some soil moisture, but more importantly, the drought monitor is a cumulative long-term statistics. We have to use it for what it's made for.
1: Yeah. It's actually
5: out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. It's a fantastic product. I mean, we have one of the best monitoring of drought in the world. But it's just a reminder that you can have, you can be in deep drought, even in the middle of growing season. If you get just in time rains, that crop lives and can Mm -hmm. produce. So we just have to make sure that we're not overly drawing conclusions about the U.S. drought scenario, when we're in the middle of a growing season that was just a point i wanted to make yeah
0: very very true all right let's talk uh, here and now as we're looking into the week ahead next two weeks here across the u.s what are some of the big things you're watching weather-wise
5: well we're pretty mild um, yep. and the west is getting hammered uh sunday and then again on monday we're talking about a huge storm system going to california it's going to try to get over the mountains but it's not the type that just ejects into this huge system that just rips through the mid part of the country so overall. The Corn Belt we're still on the drier side of things. I think we're going to stay there for a little bit, um, but uh, it'll also be quite mild. There's mm-hmm. a chance of getting some cold air back in here, but it's not going to be until after the middle of the month, and maybe even beyond that. Maybe the last few days of February that we actually get sustained cold. You get a cold front, it'll drop off. You get some overnight mm-hmm. cold, but nothing big. Uh, given uh, I think the position of this El Nino and the lack of cold air coming out of Alaska and Greenland, so we're going to have to wait we have to wait until we get to the end of February, beginning of March, for things to go active again.
0: How much is El Nino still
5: fading? Yeah. What, what are you seeing there? Well, it's kind of fun. It peaked right around Christmas, which is its namesake, so that's kind of neat that it did that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's been slowly fading, but it kind of kicks and screams its way out. If El Nino collapses quickly, I think we have much more elevated risk on the table later in the year. If it fades slowly, I think we back all that off. And what's amazing about it is the years where El Nino collapsed epically. I mean. You go from El Nino in winter to summer La Nina, Yeah, we tended to actually be dry east of the Mississippi and hot east of the Mississippi and wet west. It's kind of an interesting setup. But the years where it faded slowly, flip it. I mean, it's almost the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So that's the undercurrent of all of it. But the reality of it is, is when you get in season, it's all the sub factors that affect the weather, which again, I'd say this all the time, but that's why we talk every Monday, because it's the, the week ahead, the 10 days ahead, the two weeks ahead that are ultimately going to determine the you know, the possibility of the crop getting better, or getting worse. Definitely.
0: Let's move to South America. Mm-hmm. You had a great discussion with the group here as well about what's happening in Brazil and Argentina. And I, I know we've been seeing a lot of rains in Brazil. And, and I know you kind of brought up the point you're not as concerned about the crop conditions down there now. Can you explain that a little bit more?
5: Well, my concern stopped about January 2nd. And it started to rain in northern Brazil. And we know that some of that crop that went in late is going to take all this in. Some places have picked up between 8 and 18 inches of rain. Mm -hmm. And um, based off some satellite estimates, the crop looks healthier from space in the northern and center-west growing areas. Southern Brazil is kind of hanging on to what it's been all year long in terms of the crop health view from space. In Argentina, although they're hot and dry right now, newest model forecast trying to rip through a front later on this week and bring in plenty of precip. So you look at all those things and you're going, well, I'm trying to find something that provides – sustained risk. And Mm -hmm. I don't see it. I I think things are flipping back over. And some of the estimates that are coming out on crop size have kind of quit just dropping and dropping and dropping. And so as a result, that means we're going to have to turn our attention to the next thing, which would be how well does the safrina crop go? And if there's risk on the safrina crop, some of it could go in a little bit late, not alarming yet, but I would be worried that because of El Nino and early slowdown in the monsoonal rains in April, which would mean possibility of pulling back some of the yield potential for that. And we know the acres are going to be lower this year. So Mm -hmm. I think our attention now, because the soybean story didn't play out quite like Mm -hmm. we all anticipated with the drought that we had in October, November, December – I just now think that it's going to be an issue with Safrina going in and then coming out and what it looks like in April.
0: Yeah. And and you made a great point, too. And we've talked about this before on the show, just how, you know, the difference in soil types in South Mm -hmm. America versus here in the U.S. You know, if we get a massive rain event, we might be out of the field for a week. Yeah. You know, but in South America, they get a massive rain event eight hours, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 something that I think we really have to think about as well in terms of their weather and their crop conditions, just how different the soil types are yeah. in South America.
5: Yeah, I just, I have a friend down there, his name's Carlos, and I asked him that question, and he may have been exaggerating a little bit, but he, you know, he <laughs> says, if I get an inch and a half, two inches of rain at noon, some some on some of my fields, I can put heavy equipment on it that night. Now, I think what he was telling me was he can get back in the field quick. Yeah. But the idea here is that if we see all the wet weather in northern Brazil and think that it's going to really slow down harvest and planting, it probably isn't. I Mm -hmm. mean, it rains down there. It rains a lot, a lot. So I think it'll be something we'll continue to watch those progress numbers and see if the safrina goes in late and then its vulnerabilities come April and May. Definitely,
0: definitely. Uh, Other places around the world, I know we've been talking a little bit about Australia and and things going on there, watching Europe as well. Any other factors you're keeping an eye on here at the start of the month?
5: Yeah, I'm really keeping my eye on what's happening between Australia and South America. So it's all about El Nino. And at the same time, I want to be watching if the northern Pacific Ocean temperatures start to fade cold. Most models say keep them warm. And if they're kept warm, the risk of drought in the center United States goes down. If they start to get cold, history would tell me to say, okay, we do have a drought story to talk about for 2024. Mm -hmm. Right now, every model says, not keep them near average or get them warming up. And until they say different, I won't have a much of a different story.
0: Yeah. It just feels like, to to sum it up here, start of the month at least, for February, things are kind of benign. Things are kind of quiet outside of a few areas. Uh, There's... There's not much for us to really uh to beat the drum about, so to speak, is there? No, but
5: I'll tell you, if I could beat the drum that makes the future come true, what I want is a March twenty blizzard. Okay, I want a March twentieth. I'm marking that down I right want, now. I March want twenty a massive <laughs> blizzard that gives us eight inches of snow that has three inches of liquid in it, and then after that we can end winter. But what that would do is set us up perfect for spring. Get all that to mm-hmm. melt in there, get the rivers full, get all the res you know, the, the lakes and the ponds and stuff good and recharge that soil. Yeah. Beat us over our heads with terrible weather in winter, and we're happy in spring and summer.
0: You did mention, too, in your presentation, the Mississippi River level has come back up in recent days. So that's a good thing. It
5: is. Over the last two weeks, it's
0: up 25 feet. Definitely. That's a good thing to watch as well. Folks can find your weather information every day, ag-wx.com. Sign up for your weekly newsletter as well. We appreciate the time, as always, Eric. Thanks for joining us here in Nashville, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. And once again, Eric Snodgrass there with Nutrient Ag Solutions joining us here at the agmarket.net conference in Nashville. We'll be back with more on the way right after the break.
3: If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice. And you can hear past episodes of the program on demand.
4: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
0: The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. And
0: joining us now here as we continue our coverage at the AgMarket.net Farming for Profit Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Very pleased to sit down and have a conversation with Dave Hightower from the Hightower Report. And Dave, it is great to see you again, sir. We got to chat last year. It's uh, always good to have a conversation. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Well, I wish this was, had as good outlook as we had last year. So
0: <laughs> That is a that is a good point. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks here at the conference and really the last few weeks. and
3: feels like a, a
0: lot of folks have, have just gotten very bearish in this market, right. and that's where the sentiment is. And it's thinking about putting a crop in this year. A lot of these uh, guys and gals who are here at this conference, they're worried about cost of inputs and the price in the market and everything and just not the, not the greatest feeling, I guess, so to speak. But l- let's talk about that. Share what you're looking to tell folks here today. I mean, I know a lot of people – are focused on the bottom and where that bottom's going to be. But you mentioned to me, you're kind of more like, okay, looking at what's going to signal that bottom. Talk about that a little bit, Dave.
3: Well, I would uh, throw out an idea to the uh, corn and soybean growers at their annual meetings, and that would be to uh, take a page out of the book of OPEC um, in which uh, the farmers can, get long this market in futures and then have a discussion at their annual meeting that they're going to hold back 15% of the acreage. Uh, Because that's really what happens in the oil market is that (laughs) OPEC comes up with ways to make the price go higher. But Mm -hmm. uh, without that, uh, there are several things. We we were uh, very unfortunate in terms of the US farmer uh, that uh, production out of Ukraine was not more damaged and longer term damaged uh, but there are still uh, their assets, their, their funding, their seed, their fertilizer, the diesel, all that's still very difficult to come by. And uh, I was at a conference in, in uh, Bulgaria uh, with Russians and Ukrainians in the same room. And the uh, Ukrainians were very upbeat. They talked, uh, "Look, this is our situation. This is our reality, and we have to figure out a way to uh, live through it." Uh, but you know, there's going to be a little bit of uh, of uh, issue there. Uh, they now have ways to get the supply out besides the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not optimal. So that's one flashpoint that I could see. Uh, Unfortunately, another flashpoint is China, which is showing real problems, real problems. And I I wonder if the uh, Chinese President Xi is going to make it through this even. But, you know, when uh, China catches a cold uh, or when China sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold, and particularly in commodities and particularly in the grain markets. Uh, so what I would be looking at when we come in for a, for a bottom, we have to, everyone talks El Nino, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this 40 years, and I've yet to really see a noted impact from El Nino uh, and even La Nina uh, on the U.S. grown commodities. Where you wanna look is in Southeast Asia. Uh, you wanna look in the uh, palm oil area um, you want to look at the soft commodities like cocoa and sugar and coffee. Uh, and we've already seen the uh, coffee, sugar, cocoa markets have, uh, were one of the best performers last year because the market saw this adverse weather, mm-hmm. and it did hit crops. It hit crops, coffee crops in Vietnam, uh, and so it can also have a little bit of an impact on South America. But uh, I think that's one thing to watch because energy, palm oil very significant driving force for corn and soybeans mm-hmm. and we've seen the help from the ethanol industry and the biodiesel area and uh, you know palm production is six, seven or eight times depending on what year the size of uh, all, all, all US production mm-hmm. And if you combine all the edible oils besides palm oil, they, they, they are fraction. So if you have a problem in the palm production, it could be an exponential impact on soybean oil, then the entire complex uh, shifts back up. So I would be watching that very closely. And also it's the oil market. Sure. Uh, we could see a uh, we could see a forty cent rally in corn. Uh, you know, I remember f- uh, farmers telling me uh, the markets aren't trading fundamentals. And that was because we went such a bad through a bad period where it was so bearish and we were overproducing that the markets were just going down off everything. Uh, but now it may not trade fundamentals because it may leap higher without really changing the supply and demand balance sheets in the U.S. So oil, um, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, and, you know, I, I think China's going to make it through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're still a huge consumer of commodities, and, and that's uh, that's going to happen. And uh you know, I, I, we are getting some rain in the, uh, in the, in the weed areas that have kind of got us away from that issue. But, but uh, I would say this, um, when you're hedging, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when you look at where prices are, we're in the lower 25% of the market, and we have record spec and fund shorts in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that additional specs and funds that have never traded, could, they could come in. Uh, But now we're at a point where most of the people that characteristically trade are short the market. And so that should slow the downside. But what happens is when that fulcrum changes, you're going to have 100, not maybe 100,000, but uh, certainly tens of thousands of contracts that are going to be stopped out. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's not going to be a rally that maybe maintains. uh, But I'm going to have some strategies today to position them for that, because I think uh, like this conference farming for profit, instead of looking at that price of corn and soybeans and putting a marketing target on it, um, I think strategy over opinion is Mm -hmm. what what helps people survive.
0: Are you worried about the conflict in the Middle East adding volatility, especially in that oil market here in the short term, uh, potentially, Dave? uh,
3: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we have to realize uh, that even confronted with an overwhelming force uh, that the Yemeni pirates—they've uh, shown no uh, yep. desire to back down. They've even attacked uh, battleships. Uh, but the Iranians are also along that line, which they're—you know—they're—they're they're very uh, religious. They're theocracy, so the religion plays a huge role in it. And so there, there could be a, if there's an exchange between the U.S. and Iran, and if we put some kind of armaments on the ground in Iran. Uh, then you're going to see you'll you'll see a thirty forty dollar rally in crude oil. And if you look at a chart of corn and crude oil and soybeans, they're they're virtually tracking each other. Mm-hmm. So you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. And whether that means you're going to uh, sell, maybe you replace it with a call option right now when we're cheap, knowing that that long call gives you the confidence to sell your cash, and you still have a toe in the water going forward. You don't have to you don't have to meet a particular yield or a production level either. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you know what to sell in cash.
0: I want to ask you, uh, circling back to China and your comments about you know China sneezes, world gets a cold. I know we had the Evergrande issues here just a couple of weeks ago. That was a big headline in the market, and just the, there's been a lot of talk about the Chinese economy. Do you feel like that is that Evergrande issues maybe the start of something here potentially with this chinese economy situation right now
3: um well it's certainly a symptom of what's been going on already yeah and you know they've thrown a lot of money at it and the the difference between a open financial market and what china has is that uh, we're not going to know the really bad stuff and they have the ability to throw the money uh you know they, they they've got 13 trillion dollars in uh, cash kind of securities, even ours, and they've been liquidating our treasuries for 11 months. So I think they can pretty much, uh, it's, it's easier for them to stop a financial market crisis than it is a jobs crisis or what have you.
0: A lot of farmers here and around the country are worried about just the interest rate environment here in the U.S. and that effect on everything from operating loans to buying equipment to the prices in the markets and commodity inflation, deflation, et cetera. Uh, There's been talk that two, three rate cuts. Might be May now before we see a rate cut. Your thoughts on on the overall inflation state here with the Fed right now and how that's playing into the ag side.
3: I've been around a long time, and the younger people have never seen what normal interest rates are. Yes, And uh, that's another thing I'm going to talk about today, that the cost of U.S. government borrowing has gone up, and we really can't afford it now. Um, And uh, if I needed to borrow money, uh, I, if I didn't need to borrow money and I was young, I'd probably borrow it anyway, because if you, this may be the lowest interest rates that you'll get for the rest of your life. That would be my forecast. Mm-hmm. And it's a, the non-farm payrolls were strong. Uh, this economy continues to show resiliency. Um, it, once we get off this, the feds, this, the feds, that, um, I, I think we're going to be all right. So I, I would be very afraid. I would, I would lock in my operating. Uh, if I was going to buy some land, if I was going to buy a house, uh, if I was going to buy a car, I wouldn't uh, because they're too expensive to sell. Anyway, that's my view.
0: Yeah. Dave, I got uh, plenty out of a 10-minute conversation with you, and I, I do appreciate the time and the, the knowledge and the insight, and uh, thank you for joining us here in Nashville. We'll, uh, we'll have to uh, continue the conversation again in the, uh, in the future, Dave. Thanks so much.
3: Well, I wish the producers luck. I, uh, they, they may need it this year, but uh, you know what? We don't know anything that looks like it's positive now, but it's too negative. How's that? Yeah,
0: yeah I agree. Really appreciate the conversation again. Thank you. Dave Hightower with the Hightower Report joining us here on Market Talk today as we broadcast live from agmarket.net's Farming for Profit, Not Price Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Just a uh, plethora of information. You just got some of it there from uh, Dave Hightower. Also, uh, earlier in the show, we talked with Brian Split. Eric Snodgrass was here with weather as well. Just a ton of stuff uh, being talked about here over the course of a couple of days in Nashville. Looking at the market action from Monday. We haven't touched on that a whole lot here yet today. Kind of quiet corn was uh, unchanged-ish, right around unchanged. Soybeans trying to find a little bit of strength. Wheat under some moderate pressure, though, along with livestock trade as a higher U.S. dollar was kind of weighing down on things throughout much of the day. A little bit of a rough start to the week with a WASDE report coming up on Thursday. All right, we will be back to wrap up our coverage here from the AgMarket.net conference. In just a little bit, we're going to talk about the new app being developed and released from AgMarket.net. Jacob Berks joins us next to talk about that. Back with more on Market Talk right after this.
3: If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand.
4: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: And joining us now here as we continue our coverage at agmarket.net's Farming for Profit Not Price conference in Nashville, Tennessee pleased to have with us one of the partners from agmarket.net Jacob Burks is with me. Jacob's good to see you in person buddy it's uh I feel like we've been talking about this for a couple of months and <laughs> right. it's
6: finally here man. <laughs> yeah it's like Christmas day. <laughs> uh, yeah oh yeah Christmas day for who you or me? Uh, you know well you get to see me right is that the case? No we all get to see Matt Bennett and all those guys. That that's
0: are, right? so. uh, okay that's what it is that that's what it is. Yeah. No uh, really uh, really happy to be here with you guys and thanks for uh, letting me come crash. The party and hang out a little bit and i know you guys have a great turnout we've talked about that about 250 people here from all across the country hearing great speakers and and really you know getting to hear about a lot of the exciting things you guys are doing and i wanted to take a minute to talk about agmarket.net's App, you yeah. guys have had an app for a little while, but I know you've kind of revamped it, revitalized it. Uh, talk about this a little bit because I think it's really cool, Jacob.
6: Yeah, so I mean, we're, it's no different. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of technology, communication. How do you talk to your customers? How do you talk to the the people? And you know, we've had that for a while, and we're just we're just rolling out some new features. We're adding some. I always say, okay, we had a good product, really good product. Now we're just putting on a new vehicle that you know, easier access, quicker, uh, mm-hmm. just, just some bells and whistles that we didn't have before. And, and it's just an upgraded tool that really dives into, to the, what I think the farmer needs. I mean, we got information, information comes to us. It's available on your handheld, but the, my farm tool is something that you can, uh, uh you know, d- dissect what your profitability actually is. And we talked about, you know, this conference, his name is, is profit over price. And we, you know, ask, get the questions asked, well, that's, that's good and all, but how, how do you do that? What, how do you physically do that? And there's some, there's some features of this tool that uh, allows you to drill down and find the profitability as it moves.
0: Well, and I know, too, uh, when you were talking about this uh, during the conference yesterday, you mentioned you guys have gathered a lot of feedback from farmers and ranchers to some of the things they wanted to see in this app. So that's a big point for you guys, too, is you've you've gathered that feedback from folks who are actively
6: using the app, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a tool that we've used for a while, uh, and, and a little history on that. You know, that was it was Matt's uh, brainchild uh, uh, and baby of how it it functioned. And the two things that we wanted was, you know, first thing, simple. It needs to be mm-hmm. simple to use. It also needs to show the true dynamic break even as you go through a marketing year. And so when we we, we roll it out, and then over, well, you know, technology grows fast, right? So yeah. as, as it's been available for the last. You know three or four years we've gotten a lot of feedback to how to make it better and so yeah it was, it was really nice to, to to get that feedback and finally get an opportunity to roll it out but those requests into a really cool tool. What are some of the features
0: that are in the app that you can share with us, for folks listening in? They've never seen it before. I mean, when they download the app and look at it, sign up, etc. What are some of the things they're going to find in there?
6: Sure. I mean, it's it's a lot of like a lot of your uh, market management tools, right? There's there's a lot of them out there. Uh, ease of use, I think, would be the, the, the first thing that we we look for. The second thing would be how do you manage your di- your break even as you make sales and as you, as you uh, you'll change your input costs. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you talk to most producers, they have the break even, they know what their cost of production is, they know what their you know, price they need to sell corn at. But as you sell corn over that price, uh, your, your, your break even is no longer the same. And so that, that's what this is, one good tool that shows the producer like, hey, your profitability on your next sell is actually more, it's better. So in a bearish market, this tool has been very easy for me to show people that even though the price has fallen, your profitability may still be there. It may even be better than whenever you made your first sale. And I believe, too,
0: uh, you know, with the Ag Market team, you guys have your intel, of course, yeah. and a lot of great expertise
6: on the team. I believe a lot of that is available through the app, too, as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's It gives you the ability uh, to not have to go look at your email, to not have to go to our website. It's right Mm -hmm. there in your hand, and you can you can sign up for which reports you want. We have a plethora of information. Uh, You know, just I heard the term that you know we're we're drowning or we're we're starving for information while we're drowning of it. But this allows you to drill down to figure out which reports, uh, what uh, videos that you want to, to see.
0: And I think, too, it was great because you guys, yeah, videos and, and written stuff and everything, you know, morning commentaries, afternoon, stuff on the grain, stuff on the livestock. You guys kind
6: of really have something for everyone, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, we're partnered with JSA, John Stewart & Associates, on the yeah. commercial side. So we get a ton of awesome cash information that's available to our producers. Basis levels across the country, ethanol profitabilities are there. Uh, if you've never watched and sat down and listened to to, my, to Brian Splits technical analysis, I mean, it's it's every week we're doing you know seven to eight minute videos uh, every mm-hmm. Wednesday. Uh, we do a, a fundamental video at the uh, on Monday. You know, you get you know Matt writes a Matt Bennett writes a uh, report twice a week. You know, so it, so it's all available. It's all there.
0: What's the uh, biggest things you're hearing from folks here at the conference? Let's let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. I mean, good and or
6: bad. I mean, what are you hearing from the guys and gals at attendance here this week? It's you know you narrowed a, the first thing I heard is more corn. You know, the, you know most yeah. of the people that you're talking to is like, hey, we're, you know you're not gonna see uh, from this crowd, you're not gonna see the big switch over back into beans uh, with profitability. It's, it's kind of amazing what we've been hearing, you know, lower cost corn you know, and corn inputs and stuff. Uh, I think the, 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 the most revolving question is what do I do with, with the bushels in my bin? And that's something mm-hmm. from not just at this show, at the shows and the conferences and the meetings that we put on all across the country, it's what are we doing with this uh, grain that's still you know, unfortunately unpriced in the, uh, in the grain bin still.
0: Well, I think it comes back to the theme of your guys' conference, farming for profit, not price. And We've talked about this before. We talked about this last week, being smart <laughs> right. about your marketing in this environment, especially one that's seemingly leaning overwhelmingly bearish right now. Sure. I mean,
6: you have a, uh, a lot of fear in the marketplace right now. Yeah. Uh, you have a bearish trend that's taking place. You do have some stability. Are we going to get that bounce? And the one thing to you know, hope is not a strategy. Uh, but you can still put some tools in place like using put options uh, to give you that hope that we do get a higher bounce and i think that's the third function of that app that we're very proud of is when we talk about these options we talk about hey let's look at this strategy use these brokerage tools that are available the profit optimizer—that's mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Bill Bill Biederman's term. He, he he cloned that. So we look at that price optimizer to put a strategy in place and see how does that actually affect your bottom dollar. And it's a, it's it's one of the you know, it's really the only tool I've ever had that I could talk about a strategy, put it in place, and then show the producers uh, you know, what it does and how it affects the the actual profitability on the farm. You guys are getting
0: ready to roll out the app, too. The The yeah. revamped app. Public launch is when? April 1st. April 1st. Yeah, April 1st. AgMarket.net, or Agmarket.net to find more information,
6: right? Yes, just look us up online. We'll, uh, we do have some opportunities to, to notify you, so get a hold of us, and we'll put you on a list that notifies you when it first comes out, and you'll be one of the maybe one of our people that beta tests us for before April 1st. Jacob
0: Burks, AgMarket.net. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining me, and uh, tell us more about the app. Appreciate it. You
6: bet. Thanks for having me, Jesse.
3: We're out of time today on Market Talk. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.